For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode. Um, had that one together, didn't you? <laughs> uh, 171 of Blue Harvest. <laughs> I'm your host Hals Burkhart, and I am your host Will Whitney. How'd you know I love you? <laughs> I was, yeah, like right before. I was like, yeah, I was just making sure I had all my shit together. <laughs> yeah, really got my shit together. Didn't even know what I'm episode just we're kidding. On. I'm just breaking your balls. Oh no, you're fully justified in breaking these balls. These balls were made for breaking, and that's just what you'll do. Because well, one of these days, these balls will break all over you. I'm not sure how to take that, but <laughs> I sure didn't have an answer ready, the correct answer ready for you, so I'm equally as guilty. So guys, we have some Star Wars to us with you guys this weekend. Do we really? Yes, we do. Because I'm looking forward to that. Been looking forward to it all week. But before we discuss the Star Wars, we've got business, and it's an extra big business this week because <laughs> he said it's an extra big business. It's an extra big business. Well, I don't, why don't you hit me with the extra big business? I, I don't know if you know this, Will, but we're not one of us at least is not known for their mastery of the English language on this show, according to Reddit. Um. Anyways. Uh, it's a, it's my favorite time of year. It's time for episode two of the Castle Toy Run. That's right. Uh, the uh, toy drive that our good buddy Brandon started up last year was a massive, massive success. Over 800 individual Star Wars items donated to kids in children's hospitals. And this year we're doing it again. And... He's taken submissions already. It's up and running. So, guys, I know a couple of you have hit me up saying, oh, I'm squirreling this away for the Kessel Toy Run this year. I'm squirreling that away for the Kessel Toy Run. Well, guys, it's time to unleash some goodness in the name of Star Wars, the Kessel Toy Run. So, If you were a squirrel, it's time to give up those nuts. (laughs) Give up dim nuts. Um, So, check them out. at on Twitter at the Kessel Toy Run. There's all the information you'll need 
is on there. They've also got a Facebook page, an Instagram page, a YouTube page where you can watch an amazing video that they put together of delivering the toys from last year. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, <clears throat> but just to give you guys a quick um, breakdown, so the toy drive is running from October 15th to December 20th. So like I said, it's up and running now. And uh, they actually exp expanded the organizations that it's helping this year. Last year, it was just the um, the uh, Children and Women's Hospital of Long Beach. So this year, it's the Emergency Department of Memorial Care Miller Children's and Women's Hospital of Long Beach, the Ronald McDonald House of Long Beach, and Children's Hospital of Orange County. So three different uh, organizations that we're going to be helping out this year. Right on. <laughs> and... Um, so you can donate a new Star Wars gift to a hospital child and family unable to spend the holidays at home. Um, and if you want to send in some stuff to the toy drive, this is what you need to do. You need to send it to Brandon Manriquez, P.O. Box 7232, Long Beach, California, 90807. And if, like I said, if you need that information, check out any of their social media pages and that will be readily available and now that that's back up and running you know what else is in the works that's right oh. this year's blue harvest holiday special of which all the proceeds will be going to the kessel toy drive kessel toy run again and uh things are in the works recordings are scheduled and we are hoping to have that launched november 20th so keep your eyes and ears open and uh, do some good in the name of Star Wars. Brandon took us to one of the most ballinest lunches. Oh I've my ever goodness, had. Brandon! Look, if you didn't already know, because of of him putting together such a wonderful event, um, let me just reinforce. You know, I've gotten to know Brandon quite a bit over the last year and a half, almost two years at this point. Um through just chatting on Twitter and stuff. Um, he actually hit me up at, like right after Star Wars Celebration last year and helped me get my hands on a Star Wars figure. Like, you know, he's a longtime friend of Jason and Randy's and apparently he found our goofy little podcast, told Jason, blah, 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 right? Well, then we got to hang out with him this summer when we were in LA and Brandon was exactly all he's cracked up to be. A wonderful funny warm dude and i'm so stoked to be uh part of this uh wonderful thing he's putting together so yeah he's a great guy all right a man of impeccable class and taste yeah so that's the classy good warm-hearted business now let's get to the selfish self-promoting business mm, you can, dirty stuff <laughs> the, the dirty business you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash blue harvest podcast you can email us at blue harvest podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter twitch and instagram at blue harvest pod we have uh, a Patreon page. Uh, we put up bonus content every Monday for as little as three bucks a month. If you want to give more than that, then we've got perks and extra goodies that you'll be getting. Um, this Monday, we will be putting up episode two of Oh No, It's Hall Solo. And then coming shortly, episode two of Star Wars Year by 
podcast with our good buddy, uh, Mr. Steel Saunders. So you guys have some delicious content to look forward to on the Patreon. If you want to try it out, if you want to, you know, if you want to move in, you can move in. Um, Patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. That's where you need to go to check that out. Um, I think that's it. For, oh, no. We are so stoked to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Um, where we are the... Um, shit, We're I, the anchovies on ah, the pizza. We are the anchovies on the pizza amongst a pile of beautiful, tasty toppings. Amongst the pepperonis and the mushrooms and the olives and the onions. Whatever you like. If you like pineapple on pizza, boom. It's it's one of these amazing podcasts. Podcasts like, now this is podcasting, Steel Wars. We may, we may be the ham and pineapple pizza. Well, in some people's minds, if they don't like ham and pineapple on a pizza, then that could very well be us. But see, there's some people that love it. Exactly. Now this is podcasting, Steel Wars, Rebel Girl, The Sith List, Rogue One, Podcast 2187, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Idiot's Array, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. All great Making Star Wars Network podcasts that you should check out maybe after you listen to us. I mean, you can go check them out now if you want, but please come back. Don't leave us. Well, yeah, come back and finish this episode <laughs> because it's going to be good. Uh, well, I, I can make I make no promises, but I'll sure try. Anyways, <clears throat> that concludes the business for the week. How have you been, buddy? I've been fine. Uh, very busy. Very, like, cleaning and kind of reorganizing the house. Yeah, yep. There is a... There's a bit of a need for that around here, too. I got to rearrange some of the Star Wars collection. I need to get rid of some of it. I've been putting off getting rid of the bulk of my Black Series collection. I need to bite the bullet and do it. Um, I haven't bought a new Black Series in months. I didn't get any of the solo ones. Once I got on that Hot Toys kick. That was it. Yep. I, I, now, that is not to say I won't be getting selected Black Series in the future or I won't be keeping some of my Black Series, but I really need to to get rid of the ones that I don't want to keep. So I hear you on the, the needing to um, reorganize and stuff. You know what I am currently stoked about? What is that? It seems like we're finally in the fall. Yeah, it's been some chilly weather. That's kind of nice, isn't it? Yeah, man. I actually had to... Um, actually had to fire up the heater for the first time this uh, this morning. Have you ever noticed when you turn the heater on for the first time in the season? It smells like ass. Yeah, it smells like your house is literally on fire. Yeah, I feel like that's dust that has been living on your heating element that you are singeing off and blowing your, your way. Mm, that's got to be great for the the respiratory system. Mm. Hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you don't care about your respiratory system. Yeah, I, I think there's plenty of listeners to the podcast that are like, oh, now's the time to start worrying about that, <laughs> Mr. Puff Puff Pass Pass. Cough along up. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got a little bit of Star Wars to talk about. I don't feel like there was anything earth-shattering this week. I feel like maybe it... 
has calmed down after a few intense weeks. There's still some crazy, uh, impressive reporting on the production of The Mandalorian going on over at MakingStarWars.net. But honestly, I feel like you're better served reading those articles and listening to Jason and, and the folks were, that were there firsthand to see it. Like, I don't really know that I can look at these articles and be like, it's a blast door. Uh, damn, that looks cool, because it does, but I don't really know that I have much more to offer than that, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, old Johnny Favreau, the internet's number two source for Mandalorian news, dropped a couple of cool pictures today. I'm loving his approach to heading up this Star Wars project. Little drips and drabs, big old pictures, drop a picture, drop a synopsis, make a big stink on the internet. It really, it really, uh, I think that's the way to go. Like, I, I realize, you know, as we go on, we're going to encounter filmmakers that have their different approaches to, um, you know, how they want to talk about what they're doing on Star Wars. And I got to say, like, I love J.J. Abrams. Maybe my least favorite approach to that. I understand his want and need for secrecy. Yeah. But come on, man. Like, you could give us a little more than just uh, one picture from the first day of shooting. That is true. <coughs> a little more sizzle than just that. Anyway, you want to talk about some killer sizzle. We get a couple of pictures from John Favreau today. We'll talk about the color picture first. The one that's I love color. his last name. John Favreau. So yeah, fancy. Favreau. So Because you can say it with such... It makes you want to say it with such passion. Favreau. You want to say, Favreau. Jean Favreau. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he posted up a couple of pictures today. And guess who's on set of The Mandalorian? Uh, Uncle... Oh, Uncle George himself. Looking like the daddest dad that ever was a dad. Looking like a Dapper Dan dad. Dapper Dan dad. And so the first picture he posted was he, him and, uh, and George, I gotta say how many, like, I know that's not the same shirt that George always wears. Is he going for a, um, how many, how many checkered flannel shirts does that man own? Quite a few, but I, I feel like that specific pattern and color scheme is one I've seen a lot. I'm, I'm wondering if he's a, um. Who is the super smart guy? Who is the super smart guy? The super smart guy? Like, there's Bill a bit... Gate? No. Older, crazy white hair. Um, Einstein? Einstein. You know how uh, Albert Einstein wore the same thing every day? So he didn't yeah. have to, like, think about it. He could spend his mental and physical energy on stuff besides picking out an outfit. I wonder if that's what George, old Uncle George has going on. He's like, I fuck think it. he's like, uh, this is just my look. My look is uh, white New Balances jeans <laughs> and uh, checkered flannel shirt. The ladies over at the Scavengers Horde had a really funny tweet. They re they like they quote tweeted this and said, "Show us his shoes." <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Damn, he's got one of them new iPhones. It looks like. And what is he using it to do? Uh, okay, so that's the question. Like, I didn't even notice it until you pointed it out when I. Uh, sent you these pictures you're like is he providing more light on the scene and 
so it looks like he's definitely got like the flash or the flashlight yeah, on on his phone. Yeah, because he's got right? the back flashlight on on his phone, and it's faced back toward himself. But what it's really faced at is a bottle that's sitting on the counter that is Skywalker wine. Yep. So uh, do you really think George was like, hold on one second, Johnny Favs? Yes, yes, I got to get do. some light on the subject. Hold on, make sure they got the, the wine in the shot. Light it up. <laughs> George always directing man like even even in his retirement he's still directing so yeah it's a you know it's them at a table or a, a bar or at a desk um, that's the cool part is where they're at yes is where they're at so it's definitely there are multiple tables in their background yeah it, it definitely looks like <clears throat> the latest in a long line a watering of, hole. Yeah, of of a Star Wars bar. I wouldn't say I don't think that's supposed to be the cantina. You know, we've had our no, no. speculation on whether It looks too bright to be that. Well, yeah, but it, you know, they're also not filming right now, so they could you know, be turning like when it's time to go, those lights could go down and stuff. It just looks like from what little we can see, it doesn't even look like the booths are the same or even the relative architecture of like the the arches and the doorways and stuff are the same. So, you know, we just, ever since the, we saw those first pictures when Jason posted them, we were kind of wondering if this was supposed to be Tatooine. And this doesn't rule it out, but I would say that if it I is, mean, it this is not. I mean, it damn sure looks like Tatooine. Yeah. I mean, once again, it's it's hard to say until you see this, the final product. Because who knows what they're going to do with lighting and background and all that stuff, you know? Fiji. Um, but yeah, looks like we're going to get at least some sort of take on the cantina and the Mandalorian. And it looks cool. I love to see George showing up to these places, man. And apparently today was John Favreau's birthday. So Uncle George decided to stop by, wish him a happy birthday, bring him a bottle happy of birthday, wine. Happy birthday, J-Favs. Dang, what do I got to do? Um, to get George Lucas to stop by. Wish me a happy birthday. Give me a bottle of wine. Oh, I don't know. Probably direct Iron Man. The Jungle Book. Direct Boba Fett. Yeah. What if you got to direct Boba Fett? I wouldn't. Dude, I don't. I, and I'm not saying this like to be self-deprecating as usual. But like I, I, I don't want that job. Like I don't think I could live oh, up dude, to that job. You would take the job and you would direct Boba Fett. And it would be your magnum opus. It would be the best thing. But the stress of it would kill you. And you would die before the release of the movie. Oh, my God. Wow. That got dark. Like, it started off so complimentary. And I was like, damn. Will thinks highly of me. God damn. I do. I got I... a good friend. And then you were like, but you going to die, son. I mean, the stress of it. The stre I know you. And the stress and anxiety yeah. that directing a Boba Fett movie would kill you. I think people underestimate. When I say, I've, you know, you know firsthand because you see it. When I'm like, y'all, I got anxiety problems. Like, I, I'm a very anxious person. I got problems with anxiety. <laughs> I think people, cause they hear me on here making jokes about how small my dick is and fucking how Kia D's head looks like a dick and dick and fart jokes, blah, 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 blah. He's like, oh, he, he doesn't seem that anxious. But no, you're right. You're probably right. It would kill me. If that didn't kill me, the the online reaction 
afterwards <laughs> you, would kill me. You would be able to go on the internet. I mean, yeah. no director can these days. You can't. I mean. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't be able to avoid it. I just know. I'd be like, I'm not going to read that stuff, man. I'd be like, nah, well, you know, whatever. And then 3 a.m. in the morning, everybody else is asleep. Yeah, I'm sitting on there with my iPad, like, fucking, there's blood streaks on the iPad because I've been <laughs> scrolling so much. I've rubbed my finger raw. Oh, my God. And I'd be obsessed about it. I'd be taking screenshots and sending them to you. You'd be like, making go. A, making a list. Go to sleep, Halls. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska Corn Grower 59, I'm coming for you. Who's next? <laughs> And so the other picture he posts is a black and white picture. Uncle George, Johnny Favs, and who? Who else? Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni himself. Who? They're all know, looking good too, though. By the way, they look healthy, yeah. looking looking a little trim. You know, they look good. What does Dave Filoni think he's doing in that that not that Indiana Jones hat? He's right? like, yeah. where the fuck is your hat? You Dave? trying to change? You can't be. Uh, Dave Filoni don't change his stripes. You dedicated it a long time ago. You're breaking my heart. It's like you're over your midlife crisis. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, that was my animation directing hat. This is my live action directing hat, y'all. It's a baseball cap. Do you um, know that scene in Bob's Burgers where Gene is sitting at the breakfast table and he's like, this is me now. And he's like wearing some sort of stupid costume. Yep. But he's like, oh, that, that's it. And then the next time, this is me now. And it's a different costume. <laughs> So this this looks like they're sort of behind the scenes, like behind the stage. You can see where the set is. Um, and the interesting thing is, right over old Uncle George's shoulder, there appears to be a monitor, but you can't really make out what's going on on the screen. At least I can't. I can see a figure. Mm-hmm. There looks like what some sort of circular background, maybe a sunset or I, I think a that's... backdrop to a cantina or something. Maybe I, I... a... I actually think that's Outside. one of the. <clears throat> I think that might be one of the doorways that we saw in the other picture. Oh, I see. So, like, I think there's someone standing in front of one of those. Do- actually, I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's the exact doorway that's behind John Favreau and Uncle George in the first picture. Because there's somebody in the foreground of the shot, and mm-hmm. then there's several people in the background mm-hmm. of the shot, and maybe some tables or something. Yeah, but uh, there's not. Not much to uh, see other than that. I mean, other than it's cool seeing those dudes hang out. Um, I'm stoked about this show. There's a little doorway to the right that's Star Warsy. It's like yeah, with I, padding. Yeah, I think that might be the set that they're shooting on. So, like, I, Dave Filoni stands here looking at the monitor, giving instructions, you know, action, cut, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then, uh, you know, the set that they're working on is through that doorway. Um, man, do you realize, like, so I know we still don't have a release date for this show. You know, they're filming it now, so it makes me think it's coming pretty soon after the launch of the Disney app. Maybe along with the launch of the Disney streaming app. And if that's the case, and that comes out fall of next year, do you fucking realize what a ballin' ass Star Wars year 2019 is gonna be. We get It's gonna be the year of the Mandalorians. Mandalorian fandom is gonna explode. Mandalorian cosplay is gonna explode. I mean, that... Okay, so you think about it. I'm not convinced we're gonna get the title for Episode 9 before the end of this year. 
I kind of feel like we may get it next year after they finish filming, which I think is supposed to be in January or February they're supposed to be done, from what uh, I've read online and stuff. So next year we'll get the title for episode nine. We'll get... I read something that said... I think Oscar Isaac said it's much more relaxed than the other two. Yeah, I read that too. Um, I don't know what that means. Well, from what I understood, like when I read the article, I, I actually came across that maybe five minutes before you texted me and said you were ready to record. Um, if you can, while we're talking, future, like in, in like the next few minutes, see if you can't come across that article again for us. Um, so we can be a little for a little clarification. But I think what he's saying is that things may be a little more improv. improv- See, not a great improvisational mastery. bingo, not a great mastery of the English language. <laughs> Mississippi education, y'all. Sorry. Um, hey, I have a Mississippi education. Yeah, but you're a smart cookie. Like, a smart cookie can fucking rise above. Me, I was like, oh, I'm going to summer school because I can't handle my multiplication tables. I don't think so. True story. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and also, I think Jason, I believe on one of the recent episodes of Now This Is Podcasting, and maybe even an article on um, makingstarwars.net, sort of mentioned that from what he's hearing, they're still in the process of writing and rewriting scenes as they go along, that J.J. and the rest of the crew are really intent on getting this right, as as pitch perfect as possible. So during the process of making the movie, if things seem off or seem like they need rearranged or rewritten, they're not being... It's not like, you know, people showed up on day one, here's the script, that no changes will be made. It sounds like they're making the movie as they go and reworking and <laughs> which he kind of did on the force awakens, to be honest, when they had that, um, would that you temp- like for me to read it or yeah, hit me with it. Okay. He's, he spoke to IndieWire. Oscar Isaac, uh, revealed that production on episode nine has felt looser and more improvisational than it did on previous movies in the series. That may worry some diehard Star Wars fans, but for Isaac, it's a good thing. He says it does feel like a relief to get on set and feel like, oh, we can try things, he said. It's a testament (laughs) to J.J. coming back and feeling confident. There's less pressure for it to be right, and we just want to make a good movie, and we have a really good time while doing it. See, that sounds good to me, man. Like, Yeah, that doesn't sound like... It sounds to me... Well, the thing It sounds like it's being extrapolated to something more... I mean, just like everything... Just like every troll's analyzing everything on the internet, you know. Oh, I'm sure there's going to be people out there freaking out. Oh, they're doing improv. I'm like, I don't care, man. Like, like he said, that's just a testament to J.J. being... Okay, J.J.'s done a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. He knows what to expect. Mm-hmm. He knows what to go for. He knows what the feeling of a Star Wars movie. He's just got to put a bow on this thing, and it needs to feel relaxed so that it comes across that way. Like, but And again, both the first two movies were tense. Tense AF, bro. Like, they were, like, tense as hell. And this one, not that it doesn't need to be tense, but... Oh, it'll definitely have its moments. I mean... A little relaxing and flow can be good. I mean, of course there's going to be tension in the resolution of this. I don't think that what he's saying even necessarily applies to, say, the tone 
of the movie itself as much as the behind the scenes tone, you know, like the feeling behind the scenes. Yeah, I know that's what he's saying, but I'm just hoping that some of that comes through. Mm -hmm. Look, I don't think having a confident director and having a relaxed and comfortable cast is ever a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? You're talking about the third movie that this group of actors have done together. You got to assume that they're very comfortable with each other. Um, it's not like what Stanley Kubrick was. Didn't he do like 300 takes to like break actors or some shit like that? I don't know. It, it sounds like it could happen, but I don't know that. I for may sure. have my directors confused, but I think maybe it was Michael Bay. Oh, fucking creepy ass. Michael Bay. Who directed the shiny, you know, uh, Stanley Kubrick. That was Stanley okay. Kubrick. All right. All right. Michael, what about Michael? Did you Bay? know that Michael? Ex- Bay, Michael explosion, base blow. Michael this, explosion. Bay. This shows you what a creep fucking Michael Bay is, right? When he was casting the first Transformers movie, do you know how he made Megan Fox audition? Oh, did he make her take her clothes off? No. Uh, well, at least not that she said. Uh, from what I understand, what she said, she he she had to go over to his house and wash his car. That was her one of her auditions. Oh, uh, that's skeevy, right? Right? You know. I'll be interested to see what that fool does now that uh, he doesn't have Transformers to fall back on. America is going through a reckoning of men in power misusing their power sexually in the professional workplace. Mm -hmm. It's not like it hasn't always happened. It's just now it's getting noticed and, and... and dirt bags Confronted. are finally getting called out. Right. Yep. And I mean, that's just, it's that time. Time's up. I mean, you know. <coughs> Fucking Bill Cosby's in jail. Deservedly. Fucking Bill Cosby. If, if you pull some, some dastardly shit on somebody, you know, you violate them. You violate, that's violating someone's most intimate privacy and you can't get away with that bill cosby there's no excuses for that getting hit in the face with food at the commissary in jail have you heard about that funny thing is he can't see shit coming he's blind as a bat he can't see it coming people just just throwing shit at him hey 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 oh that's awful oh man whatever dude fuck bill cosby no i know i know i know i'm just i'm not saying that you know i got no sympathy for that dude Okay, so we covered Uncle George. We covered the episode nine stuff. I'm actually glad you meant you brought that up. I meant to bring up that Oscar Isaac Isaac stuff, and I totally forgot it. Once again, see how well I was prepared. Oh, I'm just getting the notes together. Between the two, uh, you know, we're a team. Between the two of us, we made it happen. That's fucking teamwork. the other thing I saw this week that's pretty cool is there's been some pictures from the construction of Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland in sunny Anaheim, California, and it looks like they're installing the Millennium Falcon. Man, the I, real actual life-size Millennium Falcon. Yeah, I think it's oh, I think it's the one that's going to be um the ride. So you know they're doing, I guess, two Star Wars rides, at least to start off with. And one of them is um uh like one where you fly the Millennium Falcon. Jason has been 
I think his coverage of Galaxy's Edge is slightly underrated, maybe because he's been making such a splash with the um, uh, Mandalorian coverage he's been doing, but he's been breaking some really cool stuff on Galaxy's Edge as well. And once again, I can't remember if this was, it may have been an article or and a podcast. I definitely heard it on the podcast. But apparently, the way the Falcon ride is going to work is six people, you, you board in groups of six, right? So one person is the co-pilot, one person is the pilot. There's two people in the seats behind that do like, um, like maybe... Uh, sure, like support role, weapons, shields, engineering. Yeah, stuff like that, something like that. Like support. And then two people in the gunner turrets, like, you know, the classic Millennium Falcon fucking gun turrets. Right. Dude, that sounds so sick. It does. Oh, man, I can't wait. Um, And and I guess that's what we're, we're seeing in these pictures is them building the Millennium Falcon for that ride. So That's sick, dude. Dude, I can't wait. I know it's not going to be necessarily immediate that I get to check it out because those crowds, dude, like, I don't know. I wonder how long it's going to take before it is not a clusterfuck at Galaxy's Edge, you know? Because I definitely want to go visit as soon as possible, but also don't want it to be like waiting in line for eight hours for everything. Just to move, you yeah. know, it'd be the sea of people jammed up just to move. Yeah, I, I really can't wait. Um, let me see. I'm trying to pull up one of Jason's articles on it. At the resort, do you get like an immersive costume? So, uh, not... I had heard that at one point. So not necessarily... I don't think that's at the um, the theme park, but yeah, the hotel. Is that what you're talking about? That Star yeah. Wars-themed hotel that they're doing in Orlando? From what I understand, you get assigned... Like, from that article that they first released about that, like, it made it sound like you get assigned a character, a costume, um, like, the whole shebang. It's supposed to be, like, very immersive and very expensive. <laughs> You're laughing at saying the word expensive makes me think that it's incredibly expensive. I can't remember what the... I want to say... I don't want to misquote it. I don't want to give the wrong information. But there was a price associated when that article first broke. Mucho dinero. Why don't you see if you can come up with that while I get... um, Because, guys, we have got a ton of emails and voice messages. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. We love hearing from you. I just got to to get them organized and set up to do. I'm fo- I'm running a little behind today, man. Is that cold? Well, we can weather? move on to emails. <clears throat> no, it's totally good. I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm just saying like it's taking me a second to get everything set up. Um but yeah, there was a price associated and it was expensive. <clears throat> um and I think that was for like th- 3 days, I want to say. Is what it was for. It's another one of those things that I can't exactly say. Like, I don't want to give the wrong information and then people be like, Jesus Christ, you're so wrong. I'm sure it's a couple grand. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure it's probably like five grand for three days. 
Uh, I, honestly, I think it wasn't that much, but Disney Star Star Wars Disney Hotel cost a stay will reportedly cost between nine hundred to a thousand dollars per person for a two night all inclusive stay. The price will also include entrance to the adjacent theme park, which the Disney Parks blog says will connect with the hotel seamlessly when both eventually open, supposedly in 2019. Oh, that's awesome. So you're telling me that if we go to Florida and stay at $1,000 a person for two nights. For two nights. But like you just get up in the morning, you wake up in Star Wars and can walk into Star Wars at Galaxy's Edge from your hotel. That's like heaven for you. That's like walking into a dream. Dude. Did you hear about how uh, the Powerball lottery hit a billion dollars? Someone hit it? No. I don't know. It's it's being drawn tonight, I believe. Maybe the drawing already happened. But what would you do with a billion dollars? I'm telling you right now. I'd live out the rest of my days at that Star Wars hotel. Would you really? Yeah. I would just be like, what do I Because ha- literally. Hey, look. Cause- you'd be a roll up to the counter and be like, okay, what's the price for a permanent room? Mm-hmm. Permanent residence. And they'd be like, sir, I don't. And they're like, let me see your manager. And you'd have this giant briefcase, like, like one of those it'd aluminum. Be a forklift. Yeah. It'd be a forklift behind you with like. Cash on a giant pallet wrapped up in plastic. So the thing is, is like, okay, if you're the single winner of that and you get a billion dollars after, because like if you take the lump sum, they take like what, 50%, 55% or something for tax and stuff? I don't stuff. even know. I don't even know. So let's say you end up with <laughs> 400, 500 million dollars at the end of the day. There's no way they're going to be like, okay. Give us all of that, all of that to live here for the rest of your life. Nah, they wouldn't charge me that. I would still have plenty of money. Help out my friends. Help out my family. You know what I'm saying? Donate to charitable causes, and still live in the Star Wars hotel for the rest of my life. I'd be a permanent installation. That's cool. Mm, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Jesse may leave me though. She may be like, I don't care to live in a Star Wars hotel. Can, can we not just buy a nice house and go visit Galaxy's Edge every now and then? I'd be like, nah, I gotta live it. Oh, and I would definitely uh, fund research into some ball and robot legs. Hell yeah. Speaking of ball and robot legs. Unrelated, let's listen to a song and do some emails and voice messages. Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box. Cockhead, running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty, cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Luhar, cockhead, Hansberger, cockhead, Will Witt, cockhead, Goose Paint, cockhead, G Money, cockhead, King Tom, cockhead. 
Yeah, buddy. All right. So first up, we're going to hear from the king, the king of all Toms, Nostra Thomas, King Tom himself. Always coming through with the voicemails. Let's hear what he has to say this week. Hey, Hawes and Will. It's King Tom. With all this anticipation building for The Mandalorian, this week I decided to revisit or re-re-re-re-revisit Attack of the Clones. Re- Watch the movie. Um, I started the novelization, which I never read before, but I think it's really good. Uh, and overall, I I really like the story that the movie tells. I know there are some problems with it, but I, I really like the movie. The one thing, though, and I, I, I've wondered this before. I don't think I ever shared it, though. The whole mystery behind... Who's trying to assassinate Padme? You know, the movie is pretty clear that it's Count Dooku trying to do it to not only start create dissension within the Republic, but also as a personal favor to Newt Gunray and the Trade Federation. How much do you think, because obviously he had this plan and Sidious had to sign off on it, but do you think it was his plan, the plan originated with him, or was it this whole part of Sidious's whole plan to not only remove one of the political opponents to the, you know, Military Creation Act, I think that's what it was called, although, you know, her death could have backfired and drawn up more sympathy for her side. But, you know, do you think Sidious had this whole plan to eliminate one of the opponents of creating an army and use it to distract the Jedi, drive Obi-Wan and Anakin apart, and during which... You know, he knew several events would happen, not only to lead Anakin to question his place in the Jedi Order, but also to drive him down the dark path. So, yeah, basically, how much of the plan do you think was Dooku wanting to do it, and how much of it was Sidious really working in the background, because he knew, big picture, that would get his plans even closer to happening. Either way, I... I, I love the movie would like to know more um it's one of those you know weird star wars things i'm interested in but i I am curious as to your guys take on it anyway thank you for listening thanks for a great podcast and i'll talk to you guys later hmm so i think i got this one go for it uh so i think i think it was exactly what king tom said like uh it could have been one of two things and like if she was assassinated Oh well, it just worked out that an uppity person in the Senate who is making things hard for my takeover is now out of the way. But if not, I think he knew that Anakin was attracted to her. I think he knew that was a temptation for Anakin, and that, like you said, pushing him further down that side. I think you know he needed. He knew the Jedi would pursue the assailant. He even planted the bait so that Obi Wan would find the clone army. You know, how was the clone army supposed to come to the Jedi without them finding it? You know, they had to pick up a clue to start unraveling to find a clone army that they just ended up using, had to use because it was there. Yeah, I, I got to be honest, I think I like 100% agree with you. Like, for one thing, I don't think anything, any of the machinations that happen in that prequel trilogy happen without Sidious's influence like I think Sidious uses he's the idea guy and he uses Dooku to execute those ideas you know what I'm saying 
And I kind of feel like with that, how quick he is to be like, you know, after the beginning of Attack of the Clones, he's like, oh, we could give you uh, a Jedi uh, bodyguard. How about Master Kenobi? I think you're right. I think he's purposely trying to put Anakin and Padme together because he knows that Anakin will become attached to her. And that will, and his passion will drive him right, and and it'll make it easier to draw him to the dark side through that attachment, and because you know, um, fear of loss. Anakin, has, yeah, because that's why when you become attached, Anakin has clearly told Palpatine some stuff. He told him everything. He tells him about like the Tuscan Raiders, like how he destroyed all the Tuscan Raiders and stuff. So Palpatine knows like Anakin's whole deal with. There was a crack in the armor. Uh, yeah, like his attachment to his mom, like worrying about his mom, and then like puts all that on Padme. So yeah, I think 100% his his ultimate goal is probably getting those two together so he can, um, um, uh, you know, get that attachment going. I think you're 100% right about that. But I don't think, I really don't get the impression that Dooku does any of that stuff on his own. I think it's all under the uh, direction of Sidious, you know? I don't think uh, Sidious... I think Dooku's obsession is with power. Dooku was claiming that he had become more powerful, you know, than Qui-Gon yeah. Jinn would have and that the the dark side had secrets. And But that's what happens when you push, pr- pursue power. It just corrupts you even further. Yeah, and, and honestly... I feel like Dooku might be one of, well, not one of, I I think it's a common thing in stories in general, not just Star Wars. I think Dooku legitimately, at least at some point, thinks he's doing the right thing. Like, in in the way the story... Really? So you don't don't think his little speech to Obi-Wan was bullshit? You think he actually believes? He's, the thing is, is he's telling Obi-Wan the 100% truth. You know what I mean? He's not lying to him. He's like, the, 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 there's a dark lord of the Sith and he's influencing the Senate and all this stuff. He's telling him the truth. And it's almost like the Vader and Luke moment where he's clearly trying to get... I don't think Dooku wants Obi-Wan to join him and the two of them go off and kill Sidious in the name of the light side. I think Dooku is wanting to do the rule of two thing where he kills his master and takes a new apprentice. And he's trying to maybe make Obi-Wan be his apprentice. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying that Dooku has got good intentions or he's doing the right thing. I just think he believes he's doing the right thing and that the Jedi have lost their way and they're being influenced by the Sith and all this. But I think he's fully in, as a Sith, you know what I mean? Yeah, because he's mani- he's <laughs> part of manipulating the Jedi. You're right, right. But I think you know, it, you know, probably much like Anakin, it probably started from a place of trying to do the right thing or what he thought was the right thing, right? Yeah. With Dooku, I think he he really thought he saw this big problem. With from my Sith. perspective, the Jedi are evil. Then you are lost. All right. Next up, we've got a uh, voicemail from our buddy Sam, who we haven't heard from in a little bit. So let's hear what Sam. I love these uh, returning voicemails and emails. Let's hear what Sam has to say. Hey, Haas and Will. 
In The Force Awakens, we see Rey open up a box that contains Anakin Skywalker's lightsaber. In the, in the new animated show, Star Wars Resistance, could we see that very box exchanging hands on one of the Colossus's platform? Maybe Kaz sees it uh, as, the, as the ship carrying it has stopped for refueling or repairs. I think it'd be kind of a nice little Force Awakens Easter egg, kind of give a little more kind of a little more background behind where the box came from, kind of tie in the movie a little more. Just wonder what you guys think of that theory. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, buddy. Um, I think that is very insightful and perhaps highly possible. I think it could happen. Will it happen? I don't know. Someday they're going to have to explain how Maz got that saber. Like, they literally do the most on-the-nose, we'll talk about it later thing, in The Force Awakens, where she gives the saber, and, and Han's like, where did you get that? And she's like, that's a story for another time. Well, eventually, we're going to have to hear that story. Um, the The question for me would be, and this is could just be a matter of personal assumption, I assumed that Maz had had that saber for a little while. Like, I don't know why I assumed that. Like, she could have gotten it the day before, for all I know. That's, like yeah, I said, for all we know, yeah. That's it could be a, a week old. It's just a matter of personal assumption, but resistance... That's how she knows it's supposed to go to her, because... Right. I don't know. That's its natural destiny, the item. Um, resistance takes place six months before The Force Awakens. I believe that's the official timeline. So, you know, it, it's all dependent on when she supposedly got that. Uh, Maz is one of those characters that I think it would be kind of rad to see in um, Resistance. I think there's a, a good opening to have Maz in the show in some way because the the people, the pirates and the and stuff that hang out on the um, platform on the Colo- on the Colossus, that's kind of Maz's crew. You know what I mean? Right. In all honesty, Maz Kanata could have her own movie, even it would be kick ass. She could. Like, there's enough there that I think you could do a cool movie. I just don't know if Maz has connected with enough people as a character and even as a concept to to warrant her own movie from, like, a, a profitability standpoint, you know? But Maz is definitely one of those characters I want to know a lot more about. Um, I find her really interesting. I really, really like her in The Force Awakens. Unfortunately, her appearance in Last Jedi, that's one of the few problems I have with that movie is it just kind of seems like... It was so odd. It was odd and it also... Tacked on. Yeah, it felt like kind of just checking off something off a list. Like, well, we need to do something with Maz in this movie, so let's check that off the list. You know what I mean? And Um, let's save on the CGI by making it like a comms message or whatever. Um, but I'll, I'll definitely be interested to see what she's up to in episode nine. Kicking ass with the resistance is what I'm hoping. Anyways, uh, next up, we got a voicemail from our buddy Demarcus. Let's hear what he has to say. I think this is our last voicemail and then we'll move on to emails. This is what Demarcus has to say. Hey, Haas and Will, it's your buddy Demarcus. Um, excuse the pitter-patter of rain you may be here. I'm in my car yeah, trying yeah. to wait out this rain before I run into the office. So, um, but I'm... Damn, I fucked it up and Will couldn't hear the voicemail. So here we go again. 
Hey, Haas and Will. It's your buddy Demarcus. Um, excuse the pitter-patter of rain you may be here. I'm in my car trying to wait out this rain before I run into the office. So, um, But on my way to work, I was just thinking, and what if the Mandalorian is going to be the jumping-off point for Boba to get his shine in this Disney era? What I mean by that is kind of like how Solo, you know, um, with Solo, we introduce Lando to this Disney era and they go all in on Lando, you know what I mean? As far as, like, you know, he was in the book, uh, Last Shot, I believe it was. And then, um, you know, his comic, he got another comic on young Lando and things. And now Lando's going to be in episode nine. What if the Mandalorian is that launching off period? I'm firmly in the camp that if this series is huge enough, a Boba Fett movie will be coming very shortly after. I feel like they're using this to kind of gauge that world, you know, the Mandalorian world. And I think they're going to go all in on Boba if this show's huge. And I think that would be amazing. I think it would be awesome. Um, which leads me to my other kind of thought is, let's assume, so let's say this, guys. Say we know a Boba Fett movie is going to come. Say this show becomes huge and a Boba Fett movie is going to come after. Would you want heavy Boba in this series? Or would you prefer them to kind of save all the storytelling, all the writing for a movie? You know what I mean? Now, yeah, of course you can have both. But I maybe wouldn't want him to be like kind of tied down to like a certain planet or a certain um, time frame, you know, when the movie comes out. Because then it's like, oh, well, we can't do this because he's already been in this situation here. You know what I mean? I don't know. what. How do you guys want Boba? Like, if assuming Boba's going to be in this series in some way, maybe if it's just references, maybe it's a big reveal. How, how do you want Boba to be in this series? Would you like to be him to be like, you know, a crotchety old mentor or, you know, the older hotshot that's just now kind of running his, like, kind of the head of a crew he doesn't do the work he just has them go out i don't know just some thoughts were going through my head but um yeah what do you guys think anyway thanks for listening again guys and uh may the force be with you have a good one thanks for uh calling in or voicing in something thanks um so i'll be honest the idea that this series could lead to some sort of Boba Fett movie or something has crossed my mind, but I'm trying to be responsible with my emotions and my hopes and dreams and not get too excited about the prospect. And and I, I don't ever want my stupid infatuation with Boba to color my enjoyment of something Star Wars. And uh, an example of that was like, I didn't want my whole enjoyment of Solo to be uh, predicated on the fact that, oh, Boba's in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, And I'm glad I didn't set myself up for that because I would have been real bummed. And like, I didn't want to dislike Solo just because they didn't put Boba in it, if that makes sense, right? So I kind of feel like that's going to have to be my approach to The Mandalorian. Um I'm trying to remember what article it was, though. There was an article, I believe, from The Hollywood Reporter where they were talking about, you know, um, sort of the future of Star Wars and Disney in general, and they kind of mentioned that, like, um, they were using TV and the live-action stuff to explore 
care like opportunities to build up new characters. I know I'm misquoting this, so I don't know. I think it there's always I get what the idea though. I get what you're saying. Right. So I, I think there's always the opportunity that if something be it the Mandalorian, be it some other live action show or something takes off down the road in the future that it could then spin off or um be expounded on in a live action movie. But you know, I think that's really up to the response and stuff for this this live action TV stuff. Like if the Mandalorian comes out and nobody likes it, then you know, it's it's going to be a solo situation. If it doesn't do well, we're not going to get more of it. You know, that's just how things work. <coughs> but I don't see it not doing well. I, I, you know what? I mean, I said the same thing about solo. <laughs> there we go. That's what I was going to say. Is like we we are living in a world now where a Star Wars movie didn't do so great. Apparently, though, it's doing pretty well on home video. I figured it would. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars fans love buying fucking physical media, me included. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. If we see Boba Fett, I want Boba Fett to be the Clint Eastwood type, the right. silent Clint Eastwood type, like yeah. the old man from Gran Torino, maybe. You know, not racist. Yeah, I was about to say much less racist. Much less racist, but, you know, or, you know, the silent drifter. Just. Yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends on. Talks when he has to, but observes and reacts. You know, Boba Fett is one of those characters, like, you hear all the time, like, oh, they, they ruined Boba Fett in the prequels. They took all the mystery away from him. And I never felt that way. Like, I still felt like. No. That, you That's know. That's got nothing to do with that. Right. I mean, you just see a pivotal point in his, in, in life, you know. Right. But, a pivotal point in his perspective, why he might hate Jedi. But I can also see how, like, too much Boba Fett could do that, could sort of. If if you have a Boba Fett movie or a Boba Fett TV show and he's talking his damn fool head off the whole time, and the young Boba Fett borders on that shit. The young Boba Fett in what is a Clone Wars? Mm. It's almost too much. I actually really like young Boba, and and when he's working with all the other bounty hunters and Ara Singh and shit, I think that shit is cool. Um, but yeah, I I just see like. I don't know. Like I, I feel like on one hand, if you if you put out a Star Wars movie, a spin-off movie that's about Han Solo, arguably one of, if not the most popular Star Wars characters ever. Well known Star Wars characters. Um, you know, it launched one of the most successful actors of our lifetime, Harrison Ford, into his career, you know? If you can't put out a solo movie and have it do well, what are the chances that a Boba Fett movie does well? Now, do you spend $250 million on a Boba Fett movie? I don't think so. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a, it's a tough question. Because I want a Boba Fett movie, but I also don't want to be selfish. And I want to just be like, well, I may not be getting Boba Fett, but I'm getting a TV show. At least eight episodes. Hopefully more. Uh, you know, if it does well and there's 
seasons to follow <laughs> called the Mandalorian. Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting my star Wars thing with that. And I, you know, I also need to realize like not everything can be all Mandalorians, all Boba Fett all the time. Just love me some damn Boba Fett. Y'all. Um, <laughs> next up we have our first email. And it's from our buddy Sam, who we actually heard from a voicemail. He sent us a, a voicemail and an email. Hey, guys. With all this talk about Boba and Jango Fett lately, I got to wondering, would Captain Rex's last name technically be Fett too? Rex Fett? Cody Fett? I don't know. I mean, I think Boba's last name is Fett because Jango took him as his son, right? Uh, Well, I mean, he's a genetic copy of Django and mm-hmm. Django was a fet. I mean he is a fet by blood, I mean. Right. Well, they, I mean then technically, yeah. I guess you could say all the clones last name is fet. Nine's fet fucking the I can't remember all those damn clones names. The squirrely fet, dopey fet, um sneezy fet, doctor fet. Buckeye. Sure shot. Sure shot. Headshot. Um, doo-doo pamp. <laughs> fat. I, I'm pretty Fuck sure. Pretty sure that was um, one of the clones' names. Old doo-doo pamp. All right, next up, we got an email from our buddy, uh, Michael. Hey, alls and Will. Hope all is well with you, too. Just wanted to chant, chime in on all the Mando love lately. I'm loving these emails and voicemails. <laughs> love lately and continue... To beat this dead Bantha. I can't help. Help it. I'm just too excited for this show. I love everything about it so far from the concept to the list of directors attached. What I hope to see out of this show is the lone gunslinger to be on some sort of quest back to his people. Maybe he was outcast from his clan or separated due to some kind of war. A lone soldier on a journey to unite and lead his people. The Mandalorian culture is one that has had me hooked since Karen Travis crafted a version of it in the old legends Republic Commando slash Imperial Commando novels. If you hadn't read those yet, I highly recommend them, even though they are not official canon. Just great stories. No specific question in mind in this email. Just had some thoughts and thought I'd send them your way. May the force be with you, Mike Harris. Thanks, buddy. Um... Those Karen Travis novels are really cool. It's a shame she didn't get to finish them because um, when they were developing the Clone Wars, like George was like, the, no, that's not the direction we're going with that Mandalorian stuff. Like they made some changes that didn't line up with those books. So she didn't get to finish out the series or whatever, which, you know, not to beat this dead Bantha, it's just another it's just another piece of proof that George Lucas didn't give a fuck about the expanded universe books. Like he consulted here and there, but guys, he did not consider that his canon. He couldn't have he said, said go, go and make money in my name. Right, right. And I'm not taking anything away from those EU books. I have spent, I spent countless hours as a kid in middle school and high school and into college reading and loving those books. They hold a special place in my Star Wars fandom, but you also can't get upset that they're not adhering to that to make new movies. Sorry, that's not even what this email was about. It's just, 
I still see people ha- harping on this EU thing and calling it the true canon. Guys, it's not. It's an alternate universe, which is fine. Like, comic book readers have been able to keep track of alternate universes and timelines for years. As Star Wars fans, we're bright folks. We can do that, too. It's two different timelines. Yeah, any any franchise or property that you enjoy is eventually going to be rebooted one day. I'm not saying anytime soon. I'm just saying, you yeah. know, they run these stories till you know, it doesn't work anymore, and then they go back to square one and they start again. Yep, yep. It is the way of things. Um, ooh, so one thing he said in here, like the lone gunman uh, on some sort of quest back to his people, you know, that's kind of what we were talking about just a few minutes ago. You specifically were saying you would kind of like to see that. I did say that. What if, what if um, the Mandalorian, the main character, separated from his clan or from his, you know, from Mandalore in general once the Empire took over? Because that's something we saw in Rebels that the Empire came in and took over Mandalore. And like, there's a segment of the Mandalorians that are basically working with the Empire. And then like Sabine and her family are fighting back against them and they're trying to unite the Mandalorians and all this stuff. Right. So what if he like during that time is like, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this empire. And now three years after the return of the Jedi, the empire has fallen. Maybe that's when he decides like he needs to get back and see what's going on. I think think that could be pretty cool. (coughs) I think it could be. All right. Next up, we have an email from our buddy Eric. Hey, Halls and Will, you both bring such joy to my ears and a smile to my face. The last <coughs> Eric's such a good dude. The last couple of weeks, I have been roaring. I love the business lately. The John Claude Van Damme movie list and the different toes was awesome. <laughs> I love your tangents, so keep them coming. So, Star Wars Resistance, what are you loving? What are you meh about? I'm loving the ships and the ship scenes and the diverse characters. What do you hope to see? Where do you want the story to go? I'm open for anything, though have a particular soft spot for some Force-related pieces and would like to see some of that at some point. Um, yeah, I don't know how likely Force-related stuff is. I, I get the feeling that we are going to see Kylo at some point, though. You know, um, there's a little bit of First Order stuff. We've seen Phasma and whatnot. And I just feel like it's almost a missed opportunity. I'm not saying he'd play a big role in an episode, like out chasing down Kaz and the gang or anything, but I feel like there's an opportunity to show Kylo at some point. He's such an integral part to the First Order. It's only six months from The Force Awakens. Like, I feel like... At some point, Kylo's going to be part of That's the time where he's... That's his golden days where he's pimping around badass. Mm -hmm. Where he hadn't been slapped down for being cowardly by Snow. I don't know. Maybe, you know, they just explain it that Kylo's off searching for Lor Santeca or the map to Luke Skywalker and he's so preoccupied that he doesn't give a fuck about what's going on on Resistance. Like, there's always ways... Well, we see him in the game, in the video game, in Battlefront's campaign, right? 
yes, he's hunting down Dell, right? Like, yeah, he's fucking with Dell and stuff. So yeah, he's off doing stuff. That's true. I totally forgot about that. That's a good point. That was a cool part of that game too. <clears throat> on to tangents marvel unlimited so halls you were speaking about it a few weeks back and before i could get the email out to me you subscribed welcome aboard i love it i've checked out new characters miles morales spider-man silk and ben riley the Scar- scarlet spider-man new storylines like with the heroes for hire defenders and iron fist and old stories which i have loved what are you reading what should i try we'll take recommendations so, what have I been reading on Marvel Unlimited? I haven't gotten to read much this past week. And Marvel's, uh, Marvel's, uh, fucking business practices, to say the least, have not been the most appealing to me in the last week or so. Um, but what I'll tell you, what I've had a good time reading on Marvel Unlimited, and if you've never given it a try, um, start with giant size x-men number one it's the introduction of the the new x-men team colossus wolverine storm um nightcrawler uh sunfire one of my favorite sort of almost obscure mutants in the marvel universe um and then from there go to uncanny x-men 94 so the storyline goes giant size X-Men, uncanny X-Men, 94, and then just read for it. It's some classic badass um, X-Men stuff. And then eventually you'll roll into things like the Dark Phoenix Saga and all that. It's really good. It's like maybe some of the peak best X-Men. I've been really enjoying going back and reading that. Hell yeah. Do you have any sort of classic marvel storylines or events or characters that you think you you should recommend to eric to check out Mm, i can't say that i do i'm just not well versed in them unfortunately i'd also say check out some moon knight moon knight is a character that i quite enjoy Mm. myself okay also did you know at disneyland not only will they have a galaxy's edge they are planning a Marvel land with Marvel superheroes and attractions. You have spoken about Galaxy's Edge and what you would like to see. What would the two of you want out of a Marvel land? May the force be with you always, the other Eric. P.S. Halls, you know I love you and was just busting your chops on Rogue One this week. Heart you. Uh-oh. We didn't read a Eric email this week. Something tells me I'm in for a surprise when we get to that email. Yeah. Sounds We're like... Gonna- Chafe your ass is what it sounds, it sounds like. Sounds like them balls about to be busted again. Um, <clears throat> ooh, Marvel. What would you like to see in a Marvel land? Um. Oh, uh, maybe like a Hulk 3D experience thing where you get to see his lab, and then like you put on the 3D shades and the lab, you know. He has his big accident and grows big. There's a lot Throws of some shit around the theater. As far as like um rides and stuff like that go, I don't really know. I'll say this. There's um it's a little bit of an older Spider-Man ride. Spider Man ride would be cool. Well, there's a Spider Man ride at Universal Orlando. Cause you know, there's that whole weird agreement that they have with Universal in Orlando that where they can use the Marvel characters. I think that's why they're only doing the Marvel Land at Disneyland. I may have that mixed up. 
Um, but there's a there's a Spider Man ride there that's pretty neat, and it's nice. it's it's um. It'd be cool if they had one you could swing, like swing from building to building. Um. But yeah, as far as rides go, I don't really know. I could say there's a lot of locations and stuff that I think that they could recreate in sort of that immersive theme park style from the Marvel movies that would be cool to see, like Tony Stark's armory. So you go in there and all the different Iron Man suits you know, are set up. A replica of the Avenger Tower, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Bruce that Banner's be, lab, like I was saying. You know? Yeah, that would be badass. Like, um, there's there's a lot of cool stuff they could do. The thing about it is, is like, how do you, like, you know, with Star Wars, you've got the Millennium Falcon. So that's your ride, right? You got Star Tours, which is just sort of a general Star Wars location ride, right? Like, you go through different locations and there's character cameos and stuff. Like, with Marvel, they've got so many characters and so many different movies. Like how? Like, do you do a focused one, or I, do you do a more general thing where you're like, I, I'm put money on the fact that there'll be like these indoor, indoor miniature roller coaster rides. You know, like the rock and roller coaster, or, uh, what is it? The, like the there's one in the Animal Kingdom that is like you're all in a jeep. It's a dinosaur ride, and you know you go around this little track, and it's, you know, it's kind of a roller coaster and a big big ass jeep and tosses you around and shit yeah and shit pops out you know i bet it's like that it'll they'll put you in a, a shield looking jeep you know 12 of you however many it'll fit and then you'll go through the ride and oh you'll see captain america he'll say what's up and then he'll do something crazy for you and then thor will show up and he'll do something crazy and then the hulk will knock somebody out and then iron man will save your ass you know it's got the potential to be really cool there's no doubt about that um, I, and I just hope that they're going to take the same route that they appear to be taken with the Star Wars land where it's like fully immersive. So like when you, I, I, I talk about it all the time, like checking out Wizarding World of Harry Potter last year, like it's, it feels like you're in Harry Potter with a whole bunch of other people, but it, like they do such a good job of it. And like, that's what Disney does. So I imagine when they put all that money and effort into doing that for Star Wars, I feel like it's going to be that times five, you know? Yeah. So I hope they do that with Marvel as well, which there's no reason to think they wouldn't. All right, we got two more emails this evening. Uh, next up, we got our buddy Chad, simple and succinct. If Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy... Damn, these podcast. There is a theme to these emails. If Rocket Raccoon from... Guardians of the Galaxy was a Mandalorian Jedi with a sick-ass lightsaber. Would Halls lose his damn mind? Thanks, guys. Sent from my iPhone. Everyone's trying to blow your mind. They Everyone's are, trying to bait you. into. They're like, what is Halls like? Fan he, likes, out. he likes Star Wars, raccoons, and Mandalorians. How do I mix this all up into a delicious stew? Oh, <laughs> uh, Okay, the rocket raccoon attitude would be perfect for a Mandalorian. Honestly. I can totally see that. I can totally see that. Um, you know, I don't know if it would uh, be the best thing ever because I've got this very strict, like, you know, it's never been anything proposed, but you see people joking about it and stuff. Marvel and Star Wars crossovers. That's like, I'm not interested. Like, I love them both, but 
stay on no. stay no, on no. your side of the 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 land and I'll, and I'll stay on Star Wars on its side and I can enjoy them both. I don't need Darth Vader. I don't need Captain America bouncing his shield off Darth Vader's lightsaber. You know, I don't need that. No. I don't need him force choking the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> it just doesn't make you sense know. because the the you know, the Marvel movies for the most part take place during present time and then and Star the opening Wars script is a long, yeah, a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. So not only would they have to travel back in time, they would have to, like, travel to a a completely different galaxy. So, But in in fairness to star travel, the trip from one galaxy to another would probably take the amount of time that would pass in order for it to go from a very long time ago to present. Right, but then none of the... um... The Star Wars care like so they would just be in a a Star Wars universe thousands of years in the future and there'd be yeah you know I'm just not interested like you want know my dad they would be kid, in the Marvel universe you know what was funny is my dad when I was a kid um you know he introduced me to Star Wars he's who got me into Star Wars but my dad is very much more of a Trek guy than a Star Wars guy he I mean, loves I'm Star very- Wars. I'm a very Trek guy myself. But, but uh, that's cool. I'm not saying this is not me gearing up to say anything bad about Star Trek. No, no, no. I didn't think you were. I was but, just saying so am I. Well, what I'm saying is like he loves Star Wars. He prefers Star Trek to Star Wars though. Oh, really? Yeah, for sure. And when he was a ki- when I was a kid, he would always tell me um, this was well before the prequels. He'd be like they should have done so much more with Star Wars. He's like, they could have done TV shows like Star Trek. They could have done more movies. And I'll always be like, well, supposedly there's three more movies coming. He would be like, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, it's been years. Like all of us were. Right? And he was like, you know what would be cool? Is if um, they do a, an episode of... I vividly remember him telling me this. If they do an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. This is when this was on the air. And they, they um, get... They end up in a galaxy, an unknown galaxy that's unfamiliar to them, and they find uh, a race of people that are calling themselves Jedi, and you find out that it's a Star Wars. (laughs) I'm having the same reaction I had when I was a kid. He was like, you find out it's a Star Wars and Star Trek crossover? And I was not about it. Even back then, I didn't want crossovers like that. I was like, that's a terrible idea, Dad. And I was like, for one, there, there's no way. Like, the they Enterprise just don't belong up, together. I'd be like, there's no way the Enterprise would uh, survive fighting against Star Destroyers and the Millennium Falcon. And my dad would be like, no, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? The Enterprise would destroy the Falcon. And I was like, nah. Yeah, my dad and I had those fucking typical nerd arguments when I was like... It's like spaghetti and ice cream. You know, or peanut butter and mustard. You know, some things don't go together. (coughs) Gross. Well, guys, after I die, I think I'm going to go make myself a delicious peanut butter and mustard sandwich. (laughs) Um, But before I do that, we got one last email, and this is from our buddy Brad H. Hey, buddy. Hi, Halls and Will. Hey, Halls. All righty. Sorry about that. We had to take a quick break because 
Will had to go take a wee wee. I did. I'm talking to damn much. She's like, shut the fuck up. I gotta pee. Like, hey, hey, pause. I gotta pee like a racer. <laughs> this is from our buddy Brad H. Hi, Halls and Will. While dro- driving home this afternoon, I thought about Luke's progression in lightsaber combat from Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi and was curious about your thoughts on what we might expect from Rey in Episode Nine. If history means anything in Star Wars, I would expect her skills should be very refined and polished by the start of this film, although I guess that might depend on how much time has lapsed between Episode Eight and Nine. What do you guys think? Do you expect a more unorthodox fighting style? Happy fucking Friday, Brad H. What do you think, Will? I think... It all depends on how much, you know, stupidly in real life, like I'm going to use this example, it just depends on how much you train, you know, how how good you get. So if she, if, you know, if Ray trains a whole bunch between then and now, I would guarantee she's a badass with that lightsaber. But if, you know, if she's not training with the lightsaber, it probably stays pretty basic. So, you know. Yeah, I, you could go either way with the story, you know. I'm firmly in the camp that believes we're going to get some sort of time jump. Of at least a couple of years, right? I, mean, I get we I like I was gonna say we don't even know that Luke was really that badass with the lightsaber. Oh no, man! At the end of his life, we assume so, but well, no, I'm just saying like, well, just think about what he's saying from Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi. He's definitely more of a badass. Like definitely, he beats Vader. He whips ass on that sail barge. Right. Um, so I think. You know, in some ways, it's it's almost unavoidable that this movie will mirror Return of the Jedi in some aspects. I, you know, I don't think it's going to be to the same degree that The Force Awakens and A New Hope were. But one of the ways that I kind of feel like it is going to be like that is you're going to come into the movie with your heroes and your villains basically at the top of your game. Like, the time for training... The time for fucking around is over. You know, you got a score to settle. Ray's at the top of her game. Kylo's at the top of his his game. And then, boom. You know what I'm saying? Fighting. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I kind of feel like she will have progressed quite a bit and be pretty, pretty badass in nine. I'm dying to know what they're going to do with her lightsaber. Like, is she going to get a new hilt? Is she going to figure out some way to rebuild the Skywalker lightsaber and repair it? Is she going to have a double-bladed lightsaber? Is she going to, you know, there's, I just can't wait to find out. I guarantee, I, well, I don't guarantee, I don't know that for sure, but I bet she resets Luke's crystal into her own lightsaber. So you think she'll have a new hilt of some sort, but still be? I think she'll build her own lightsaber, but she'll use Luke's crystal. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Um. Yeah, but I I think we'll definitely see a more confident, um. You know, at the not necessarily the height of her powers, but full on Jedi, for sure. Is what I'm expecting. Full on Jedi Ray. <clears throat> and of course. Oh, yeah. Full on Jedi Knight Ray. Mm-hmm. And of course. And I want to see one day Jedi Master Ray, but like, I, I'm expecting Jedi Knight Ray. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, attempting to save Kylo Ren's soul. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty pretty spot on um, assessment of what will probably be going on. I, you know, when you say Jedi Master Ray, I'm really hoping we get more Ray specifically after Episode Nine. I yeah. don't think we will, but I hope we do. I'm not saying immediately. I don't need an episode 10, two years after episode 9, but... I mean, I get it. I need it faster than 10 years. I don't need a 10-year Revenge of the Sith Force Awakens gap. Hiatus. Fuck. I'll be 46? Damn. Damn, y'all. 46-year-old Hall. That does not sound... 46 sounds... Improbable at best, y'all. You don't think he'll live to be forty six? I better. But You're I ain't taking care of your body. I ain't counting my chicken. Oh, speaking of which, got a fucking piece of exercise equipment in the mail today. Did you really? Yeah, ordered a rowing machine. Oh, I thought you were about to tell me you're gonna have a shake weight. No. <laughs> Do you think I would be like, oh, taking care of my body? I got a shake weight. Will. I thought you would send me sexy shots of you using a shake weight. I wonder how. Much. I mean, I wouldn't count. I wouldn't count it out. Now that I know that's something you'd be into. Hey, hey, hey! But no, yeah, I got a, a rowing machine. Now I've got oh, a yeah, a rowing machine. Now I've got a fucking assemble a, a rowing machine. Rowing uh, machines are sick as hell. Yeah, I figured it was a oh thirty bucks for a shake weight. That's worth it for one funny video. Get real ripped and rapid something. Hmm. One click. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I figured that was a, a piece of exercise equipment that I could uh, use and would be a good workout for me. So It's going to give you good back and arm muscles. There we go. And shoulder, back shoulder. So that does it for us this week, buddy. We're all caught up on our emails and our voicemails. We talked about okay. some Star Wars. So I think uh, that's going to be it for us. Thanks for recording with me, buddy. Well, dude, thank you for having me. I'm always blessed when you invite me to the podcast. Invite you to... <laughs> invite you to... You're, I'm always blessed when you invite me to podcast. The, you, Don't you know, make it weird. The pod, Don't make it weird. The podcast that I'm a co-founder of. Invite. Act like I'm trying to push you out like some Elon Musk shit, buddy. No way. No Whatever, way. man. If I'm the Thomas Edison, you are the Nikola Tesla. Hmm. Someone asked Einstein once what it was like to be the smartest man in the world, and he was like, you'd have to ask Nikola Tesla. You would, um, honestly, I'm going to say this. I think I think we're more like the Wright brothers. I think of us more like the White Wright brothers than some Orville, sci- scientific rivalry. So Orville Redenbacher is probably more, more my speed. Orville. I'm a popcorn man. Oh, so, now, do you remember the Orville Redenbacher commercials when Orville was was still alive and he oh, was yeah. there with his son or his grandson yeah so yeah. i'm old man orville and you're like the son or the grandson and we're like no man we got you're, some popcorn you're, you're jay bush from baked beans and i'm the dog <laughs> well guys we're gonna roll that beautiful bean footage um <laughs> check out our tea public if you're into that sort of things uh, you know shirts and things tpublic.com slash user slash blue harvest podcast if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide 
the music. They are Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And that's going to do it for this week. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>